1: Fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan.
2: This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader, Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy.
1: Welcome into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Please make sure you subscribe that we get notified whenever we have new content available to you. You can also check us out live on BellyUp.tv. If you download the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices, you can catch us on demand. Just look for the Belly Sports TV category and find all of our episodes there. And last but certainly not the least, stay up to date with the show when you're on the go and download us on your favorite podcast app, widely available to you. Please give us a five-star review. It really does help us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and it is a primetime recap. A Heroes and Zeros and a Waiver and Saviors for Week 10 kind of night. Yes, you are kicking off the new week. A little bit of a day late. I was under the weather yesterday. Could not do the Sunday Funday recap. I do apologize for that. What we'll do on the lookout for Wednesday and the Clairvoyant Thursday, which, of course, is Wednesday and Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern. we go through our preview. If I have notes for the players that we're talking about, from the previous week, and obviously I will talk about some of their usage, how it applies to their preview, to their rankings, moving into Week 10. We'll talk about some of it then. Of course, you can always check us out on social media at Show. If there's anything we got to give a quick takeout for, we'll do it there too. So make sure you give us a follow on that one. But we'll make sure you guys are up to date and have all the information you need when it's most important to you heading into your Week 10 matchups because this, this is it, man. We got five regular season games left. The countdown is on to the playoffs. It's here. We're in the thick of November and the race is on. You're either well out ahead, feeling pretty good about your team, or you're in a position where you are pretty much in playoff mode now to make the crunch. It all depends on what's going on. But either way, you should be watching and listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show because we're going to help you out. Always help you out, guys, with questions on our social media feeds or during our live shows. On Wednesdays and Thursdays, anything we can possibly do. And always hit us up on social media with any question you may have. We had a couple of interesting primetime games. So let's go ahead and talk about our thumpers and bummers for those games right off the bat. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! (laughs) We only had one quarterback thumper, and his name was Patrick Mahomes, in a game in which the Kansas City Chiefs only scored 20 points, Patrick Mahomes still puts up one hell of a fantasy day, going for 446 yards, picking up a passing touchdown, one reception, but then had 63 yards on the ground and a touchdown. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes ever like consistently did it with his legs, he'd be the number one. He would be Josh Allen on crack. It would be absolutely insane. And that's what he did on Sunday night because they absolutely needed him to. We'll get into some of our insights of the game to talk about why in the very next segment. But man, oh man, Patrick Mahomes, as far as a primetime time matchup are concerned, is the only quarterback thumper of this list. We didn't have any running quarterback bummers because the guys that you know didn't do well were guys that you probably weren't playing anyway. So let's talk about the running back thumpers. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta. We had two guys come through for you guys on on prime time. And that of course was Kenyon Drake getting 93 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. I had him on top 36. I had him as a guy who was not excited to play as a emergency flex. And yet he's probably responsible for a lot of surprising Monday night miracles. Because no one expected Kenyon Drake to get two touchdowns in this game. They just rode him the entire second half to close out the game. And he did not disappoint in the wake of Gus Edwards and JK Dobbins both being out. We'll talk more about what we think of Kenyon Drake moving forward and what you can expect. But for right now, he's definitely a running back thumper. And our number one running back thumper of the primetime matchups was Derrick Henry. 117 yards and two touchdowns for him. He was the entire Tennessee offense, and it was almost enough to actually upset the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night. Derrick Henry is a beast. He's a monster. He can't be stopped. Obviously, the foot issue was no issue at all coming into the week. If you drafted Derrick Henry, he's everything you've wanted him to be. Running back bummers. Oh, well, one of our stars that we were counting on to be a a top, you know, five running back had a huge week last week and then completely just disappoints this week. Alva Kamara only getting three catches for like 32 yards, only getting nine carries for 30 yards. It was just a brutal performance in a game which you're expecting a hell of a lot more coming off a huge week that he had last week, knowing Mark Ingram's not around. He's getting all the work. Andy Dalton's still the quarterback, so he should be getting more dump-offs and just felt like nothing really came to fruition for Alvin Kamara all night long. We'll talk more about the Saints in the next segment, but, oh, didn't get what you wanted out of Alvin Kamara. And then Clyde lair Look, he had been somebody who consistently gets touchdowns as far as the Kansas City Chiefs running backs are concerned. Now, I had him i be cautious of. I didn't want to play a Chiefs running back because the rotation is so haywire. But if you're going to probably pick one, it probably was Clyde Zolaire because he's the only one who's consistently scored throughout this season thus far. And yet he showed you why when he doesn't score, why he's so dangerous as a lineup start and completely deading out on Sunday night. Could not get anything going whatsoever. Well, let's talk about our wide receiver bummer of the week.
2: Wide receiver bummers.
1: It was brutal for Devin DuVernay. So the, the game script, you know, the Ravens didn't have to be overly aggressive throughout this game, but DuVernay going up against the Saints. We know Marshawn Lattimore had become somebody with Rashad Bateman out the rest of the season that we we're contemplating being a guy that maybe he's a top 36 type of player. Maybe he's a flex guy. Most weeks than not. And he comes in with one catch for five yards. Now, like I said, they didn't need him this game, and that, that's part of it. But the other part of it is this, the usage in general for the Baltimore receivers, it's just been all over the place. Lamar Jackson threw the ball 22 times in his game. We've been talking all year long with quarterbacks like Mariota and, and Justin Fields and how that low volume can just pick apart receivers and just leave him for dead, basically. Devin Duvernay, you want, to, you, want to, you want to lock on somebody in this passing attack for Baltimore. The fact is, without Mark Andrews, there might not be anybody to lock onto with this Ravens team. So we're going to have to look at that and consider it more closely when it comes to Devin Duvernay about how often, how confident we want to be ranking him as a flex play in the top 36 moving forward. Tight end
2: thumpers. This is Sparta! <laughs>
1: Travis Kelsey. Well, you figure if Patrick Mahomes made the list, then Travis Kelsey must have made the list too because he is the number one precious target of the Kansas City Chiefs passing attack. 17 targets in this game. 10 catches, 106 yards. The only thing he didn't do was score. He's been so consistent, breaking more records with more targets, not slowing down at all. If he drafted Travis Kelsey... He is pretty. He's a wide receiver one, giving you the biggest advantage possible. Now At Mark Andrews banged up, having a couple bad games, and not playing in this one. He's been the biggest advantage you could have at almost any position in fantasy football right now, and that has continued on with his play this past Sunday. So, Travis Kelsey firing him up as a big-time thumper. Didn't really have a bummer. I mean, we'll talk about Isaiah likely in a little bit, but he scored, so he kind of salvaged himself. And Everybody else at the tight end position, yeah. How, how much are you really starting them, really? We could throw Taysom Hill in here because he didn't score, but you kind of know what you're getting into Taysom Hill, and that's why it kind of stays in my low-end territory ranked. So we didn't really want to throw him in necessarily as a bummer too because it's kind of what you'd expect at this point. So let's go ahead and just dive into the insights of the game. So what do we know coming out of these two matchups on Sunday and Monday night? Well, first up, let's talk about that Sunday night game. Let's go to the Tennessee side. And my big note that I have is that the Titans clearly need Ryan Tannehill back as soon as possible. Flat out, they do not trust Malik Willis to run this offense. Plain and simple. Only 16 pass attempts in this game. Only five completions. The only positive I can really give you is that, well, he didn't turn the ball over this time. We knew it was going to be all Derrick Henry if Ryan Tannehill couldn't go, and and frankly, it is regardless, but they just have no threat of a passing attack without Ryan Tannehill Tannehill back there at the quarterback position. That's something that's going to have to give because while Derrick Henry is great, you make a team one-dimensional enough, eventually you're going to take that one dimension away. So it, it, it just a testament to Derrick Henry and how great he is and how he's able to keep putting out the production he does. But Ryan Tannehill is going to have to make something of this passing attack at some point to keep Derrick Henry rolling because this cannot be this one-dimensional moving forward. And no receiver, nobody outside Derrick Henry is even fantasy-relevant right now for the Tennessee Titans as a result. On the Kansas City Chiefs side, though, my big two notes here, really, that you have to play Juju and you have to avoid the running backs. Look, Patrick Holmes, Travis Kelsey, that's a given every single week. We, we, we know that. Juju now, three games in a row, has been heavily targeted and has been good, if not great, for the Kansas City Chiefs. 10 catches, 88 yards on 12 targets. No, it's not going to be, you know, letting up the scoreboard. Yes, it's below 10 yards per catch. Who cares? He's getting that kind of volume, and that continues on. Juju Smith-Schuster will continue to be a wide receiver, too, with a high floor each and every week with this offense. No matter what the Chiefs are doing with their wide receiver rotation, it's still going to be Juju getting the majority of the targets next to Travis Kelsey. I know Miko Hartman wound up with a good game in this one. Nine targets, six catches, 79 yards, a touchdown. The only problem is that he still plays the third most amongst the wide receivers, MVS, Still so very much ahead of him. So he's not out there on the field all the time. We know B. Cole Harmon is a little bit gadgety to begin with. And Kadarius Tony. look, it was his first game there. He only played about, I think it was nine snaps total by the end of the game. Two catches, 12 yards, two targets. But the guy he's most likely to replace as this season wears on, as they want to get Kadarius Toney more and more involved after giving up the draft capital that they did and, frankly, want to have him going on all cylinders by the time the NFL playoffs roll around, the guy he's most likely to replace would be Mikko Hardman. So Mikko Hardman's a guy who's a hard sell for me to buy into, even though he has had a couple good games in a row now moving forward. I'm not going to get too excited about him. I'm still going to continue to not rank him inside my top 36 wide receivers moving forward as a result. I would not buy into the hype I fear dud games could be coming with less and less usage as Kadarius Tony gets more and more up to speed with the offense moving forward. And with the running backs, look, Clyder's lair four carries for five yards. Pacheco had five carries for five yards. Jared McKinnon, three carries, four yards, but at least he was involved in the passing game with six receptions for 40 yards on eight targets. And he wound up dominating the playing time, but that's also because the Kansas City Chiefs had a comeback from behind the entire second half and Mahomes threw the ball. 68 times, 68 times, damn near 70 times in one game, Mahomes threw the ball and they only scored 20 points in this matchup. That's why Jerry McKinnon played so much. If they're playing with the lead from the start, we probably see more Isaiah Pacheco who did play for the second week in a row, more snaps than Clyde edwards It's clear what they want moving forward. They want Pacheco to take over the early down goal line work And they want Jerick McKinnon to still be the main pass catching back when they have to come back from behind, no huddle, two-minute drill, that whole thing. Clyde edwards just gets what's left over at this point. So unless he magically scores, you're not going to get much fantasy value out of him. And with this kind of a rotation, I don't know how you can start him other than an emergency Hail Mary, hope you fall into the end zone type of player. This is not going to change anytime soon. And as a result, I am staying away from all Kansas City running backs every single week. And you can drop. You know what? Let's go ahead and hit this just drop because we haven't done this yet for him. But you can go ahead and drop Clouds Lair.
2: Prepare to be flushed.
1: I don't. Look, you can't play him. You can't play him. There's not really a Chiefs running back I feel like you can play right now. But you definitely can't play Clouds Lair, who now, the second week in a row, is third in that rotation. But let's move on to the Monday night game, shall we? So the Baltimore Ravens, they were very active during the trade deadline. It looks like it paid off because the big gun I have for them is, well, their defense looks a hell of a lot better, especially the run defense. This is a team been giving up some points. They held Kamara here to less than four yards a carry, three point three to be exact. The Saints' offense never really got going, and it looks like this new look Baltimore defense that can be more aggressive now and play more downhill now with Rokon Smith. It's going to pay off for them in a big way. When you see the Baltimore Ravens, you're going to see on paper, oh, this is a good matchup for wide receivers. And the fact is, you know what? It's it's not anymore. This is not the same defense that we saw early on in the season. So keep that in mind. I mean, you're, pl- you're playing together your lineups looking for guys with good matchups to plug in, looking for some upside, looking for that juice. That is not going to be the case against the Baltimore Ravens moving forward. This is a much stingier defense, I believe, especially when they come out of the bye week and guys have even more time to gel, more time to get up to date with the playbook, which they have next week. So two weeks from now, week 11, Baltimore comes back. I expect this to be a different defense the rest of the way the second half of the season. So adjust your expectations when you have them on your schedule accordingly. The other note I have for them, of course, is well Kenyon Drake. Now they went full run in the second half. And Lamar Jackson actually came out in the first half, and he was, he, was pretty, he looked pretty good. He was he was a high completion percentage, was hitting everybody, spread the ball out. I mean, like nobody had more than two catches for the Baltimore Ravens in this game. Drake had two catches and James Prochet had two catches. Everybody else had one. And he had about, oh, let's see here, four, six, eight, ten. 10 different pass catchers catch at least one ball in this game. Lamar Jackson just spread it out. But in the second half, it was all about the running game. They just handed it off over and over and over again to Kenyon Drake. Of course, Lamar Jackson himself, 80 yards rushing, which, by the way, is the only thing that saved him from being a quarterback bummer yet again. Look, it's brutal. I just, right now, the ceiling for Lamar Jackson, without a Mark Andrews and without Rashad Bateman the rest of the way, I don't know what the ceiling for Lamar Jackson is anymore. I don't think we can sit here and say that his ceiling's in the top five anymore. Because he's rushing, but he's not going to get rushing touchdowns to go with his yards. Well, the passing volume sure as hell ain't there anymore. He had 22 pass attempts in this game. And this is the type of game Baltimore is going to want to play the rest of the season. I mentioned the defense being much better in the second half. Well, that's going to go hand-in-hand hand with this offense being more run-centric. And if they can be this run-centric with Kenyon Drake back there, it doesn't really matter who's back there, does it? I I will say this, there's a silver lining for Gus Edwards people out there who, you know, when he comes back, obviously this is just the way they're going to be. We always know they're going to be run first anyway, but with their defense now, they might not have to throw the ball as much as they were early on this season. So that cuts down Lamar Jackson's ceiling, but that also should boost the running game in general too. And Kenyon Drake, look, I still don't love it. I don't trust it. It's just as likely he goes into next week with nine carries for no touchdowns and 40 yards. It is just as likely of a scenario as him being able to duplicate a performance like this again. But if Gus Edwards is going to be out for another week in a row, we'll have to see coming out of the bye week. He'll have an extra week to get the hamstring. But we come back in week 11 and Kenyon Drake's still leading the way. Well, guess what? He's going to have to be my top 36. Likely will have to be inside my top 30. And you'll likely have to play him at least as a flex player or consider him there. And you know what? You could do worse. You could do worse. I don't fully trust it, but right now, this is where the usage is heading. So what do you do with the rest of it? Well, Mark Andrews comes back, he'll be fine. Okay? And Isaiah likely, it wasn't great, but considering how this passing attack went with only 12 completions out of Lamar Jackson, the fact that he got you to touchdown, well, he's probably not the reason you lost the game then, especially coming out of the tight end position. So I think you continue to play Likely if Andrews cannot go, although the reports heading into this were Andrews could have played, but because they had the bye week decided to hold him out, give him the extra week of rest, probably the smart thing to do. So I wouldn't expect Isaiah Likely coming back in week 11 to be the guy, but new expectations for Lamar Jackson. He's still quarterback one, but I don't think we can consider him a top five quarterback right now, especially with other faces like Justin Fields and some other names emerging as of late who, frankly, have bigger ceilings right now with how they're playing and how their momentum is going. This is the case. This is what it's been for Lamar Jackson the past few weeks. I don't know if it changes anytime soon, especially when you sit there and you lose a weapon like Rashad Bateman for sure the rest of the way. Now, with Mark Andrews, it'll help elevate his floor, but Lamar throwing the ball more than 30 times in a game is not going to be a commonplace rest of season. On the Saints side, I have two notes. My, my first note, and it's my main note, really. Annie Dalton. How much longer does Annie Dalton have? I think that has to be a real question here. Look, I know they decided that they like the way Annie Dalton runs the offense, I guess, better than Jameis Winston, but take this game. The Saints fell behind, and as soon as they fell behind by two scores, it felt like they had absolutely no chance of coming back with Annie Dalton under center. None. This offense can't get vertical. Michael Thomas is going to be out the rest of the season. Chris Olave can be that big, deep-field threat. And Jarvis Landry might be on his way back starting next week. So they might get some assistance there. But this offense cannot get it vertical. And if Alvin Kamara isn't breaking runs, and we'll talk about his usage in a minute because that was also strange, but if he's not breaking off runs for them or breaking off screen plays for them, this offense just doesn't have any pop with Andy Dalton. You bring in Jameis Winston, okay, yeah, you might have to deal with the turnover thing, but at least in games like this, you might have a shot to come back. Remember, the NFC South is up for grabs. It's so bad that really everybody still has a chance, including the Saints. Are you going to continue to play Andy Dalton just gives you no pop offensively whatsoever and gives you no chance if you fall behind in a game and continue to have James Winston on the bench or at least gives you chances in these type of matchups? Because on the other side, too, it's not like Andy Dalton's not turning the ball over. He had another interception in this game. He's had turnovers the last three weeks in a row now. So if your big thing is that you're not playing Jameis Winston because he didn't take care of the ball enough for you, well, what the heck has Andy Dalton been doing? Because he's not taking care of the ball either. So I just wonder how long he has. Or has the coaching staff just flat out made up their mind that they're not going back to Jameis? A question that remains to be seen, I believe. And, of course, that has the fantasy impact. If Jameis plays, then Chris Olave, his ceiling gets unlocked again. Right now, he's he's a fine wide receiver, too. You have to consistently play him. Because he's getting all the targets, getting all the volume. He's been consistent, at least. He's giving you a floor. But that top-end ceiling is just not there without Jameis Winston. Now, on the flip side of that, you're saying, well, Andy Dalton supposed to be better for Alvin Kamar, right? But then in a game like this, Again, having to come back the entire second half, Alvin Kamara, he walks away with four, carry, or four targets. Three catches, 32 yards. Which, in and of itself, is completely strange. You have Chris Olave and Alvin Kamara. That's your passing attack. That's what you have. There's no Mark Ingram. He's got to overtake the backfield. and a game in which you're dying for explosiveness, you don't game plan a little bit better to get Alvin Kamara the ball out in space in the passing game especially? It doesn't make any sense, and we've seen this. Like, Look, yes, Kamara had a big week last week because he was featured in every way. They made a game plan to not just get him involved in the rush game, but get him out in space was where he's best at. And yet they had these weeks, and they've done this consistently throughout the season, where suddenly they dial it back, and all of a sudden now Kamara is like just a guy, <laughs> not your best offensive weapon that you have. And here he is only getting four targets in the game, in which you're trailing by two touchdowns pretty much the entire time. At least, it doesn't make any sense. The usage is all over the place. All over the place. So I just have some questions as to whether or not the Saints may be making some changes. It's a lot different when you're playing against the Baltimore Raven defense than what they did against the Raiders, who have the worst defense in the NFL last week. And maybe that jars some, jars some ideas. I don't know. But I think it should be in the conversation at the very least. But those are my insights for those two games. So here's what I want to do. I want to take a quick break and come back on the other side. you got one of your favorite segments, My Heroes and Zeros, or My Right and Wrong Calls of the Week. And, of course, we have the Waiver Savers heading into Week 10 because we have to get better for the playoff push. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and we'll be back right after this football is back baby and our new sponsor true classic wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft sure it's football season but it's also butt the couch season Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer – For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at TrueClassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY, free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good.
2: The MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy.
1: Welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. You can always check us out live on bellyup.tv from any web browsing device you may have. Find us on demand when you download the Foxy Network app and your LG Samsung Roku or Amazon Fire TV devices, or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go and download us on your favorite podcast app. Please give us that five-star review. It really helps us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and I can't believe we're heading into Week 10. It's it's, it's here, man. I mean, this is, this is what we prepare for. The playoff push is here, and hopefully you're in it. Hopefully you've been watching this show. You're either well out ahead in first place, or you're at least in the mix. And for a lot of teams out there, you might be in playoff mode now just try to make it. And that's why I tell everybody all the time, and it's, it's true in sports, and especially true in fantasy sports. All you need is a chance to get it there. It's all you got to do. Just get to the playoffs. And you always got a chance. Start things, start to roll your way, guys catch fire, get the right matchups, just get there. And that's what we're going to hopefully help you guys be able to do. But first off, we got to hold me, myself, accountable. So now it's time for our heroes and zeros. Dan's
2: heroes and zeros. Okay, well let's kick it off with our quarterback heroes. Quarterback heroes.
1: How about Geno Smith? Nailed him at QB Sick. I was three spots higher than the ECR. Some people were a little bit afraid because the Arizona Cardinal defense have been playing better as of late and actually kind of stifled Seattle to some degree the first time around, at least the passing attack anyway. But I look at DK Metcalf and I looked at Tyler Lockett and I thought to myself, you know what? As long as he's got these two good receivers and as long as he keeps enacting his floor and keeps playing good, solid football, he's got a good floor to count on. And then you mix in six teams on bye. And what do you know? Geno Smith winds up being my QB six of the week, and he finishes as my QB six of the week. I wasn't hindered at all by the Arizona defensive matchup, and I nailed that one.
2: Quarterback zeros.
1: Yeah, I gotta stop ranking Justin Herbert in the top six. I, I know, that's my bad. That's my fault. Had to take more into consideration. They played Atlanta, okay. Playing Atlanta, and I thought even without a Keenan Allen and without a Mike Williams against Atlanta, he would at least still put up a top-notch performance. That would Josh Palmer, Jared Everett, and Austin Eckler, especially dumping the ball down to him, would leave Justin Herbert with a very safe top-six performance against a terrible Atlanta Falcons defense. The fact is, that's not the case. While Josh Palmer had a good game, and Austin Eckler, of course, had a good game, doesn't necessarily lead to Justin Herbert, who still has plenty of volume, by the way, having a great fantasy day. The big plays without Mike Williams aren't necessarily on the table. And Herbert, frankly, has not been humming this entire year because, well, he really hasn't had Keenan Allen this entire year. Even though he's an athletic quarterback, he doesn't really use his legs either. So he doesn't get that little commodity in his fantasy game. We have to start considering Justin Herbert as more of a top 12 low-end QB1 matchup dependent than a guy who deserves and has to be inside our top six week in and week out, at least until he gets his weapons back. If Keen Allen ever gets healthy, we will have a different conversation. But until that happens, we really have to consider the matchup with Justin Herbert And consider the fact that he doesn't have to be a lock-up-in must-start every single week. So that was a zero by me. Quarterback heroes. My number one hero is Trevor Lawrence. Because, again, another guy was higher than the ECR on. And I said, look, I had him ranked as QB 30 against Denver. But in this situation, had him just inside my top 12 of QB 11. Oh, by the way, he finished right at QB 11 this week. The Raiders are terrible. You can play anything you want to against the Raiders, and uh, yep, we're even talking about some cult players heading into next week, and that'll be a whole nice conversation to have during our preview shows on Thursday, on Wednesday and Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern. But that's what we're looking at. They're terrible, and that's why Trevor Lawrence could be a low end QB one. Who, by the way, is still QB ten on the season. Believe it or not. Now, yes, that's it, definitely a, a comment. On the status of the quarterback position this year for fantasy football, but nonetheless, it meant that he still helped out a starting team this week. So Trevor Lawrence nailed that call. Quarterback Zeros. All right, Aaron Rodgers, I'm officially done with you. I'm officially done with you. I put him at QB twelve, playing the Detroit Lions, getting Allen Zard back. So okay, this is a good opportunity for Aaron Rodgers to have two, maybe three touchdowns in this game. And instead, they decided to turn the ball over every time they got in the red zone. They lose Romeo Dobbs along the way for the next four to six weeks. And even though Lazard had a good game, it didn't really matter. Aaron Rodgers getting frustrated with everybody else was on the sideline was an absolute joke because those picks were on him. They weren't on his wide receivers. They weren't on his offensive line. They were on him. And if he's going to continue to lash out for mistakes he's making, well, this whole thing just might implode on itself before too long. Their backs were against the wall against Detroit. And all you got was a pissed off Aaron Rodgers who was playing terrible. It was Detroit. And he still couldn't finish inside the top 12. Guess what? We can hit this button for Aaron Rodgers, too.
2: Prepare to be flushed.
1: If you haven't done so already, there's no reason to have him on your team. If you can't play him against the Detroit Lions, you can't play him against anybody. It was my fault for thinking that he could be anything else. So I'm sorry that I ranked him as a top 12 quarterback this week. Running back heroes. If you had Joe Mixon, I think he was everybody's hero this week with five touchdowns. Now, of course, I did not project that or expect that, but I was significantly higher than the ECR. I still had him well-ingrained inside my top eight. I meant running back seven to be exact. Three spots higher than the ECR. A lot of people were down on Joe Mixon heading into this game. And look, yes, the efficiency numbers, not been great. But what did I keep saying? I said, I didn't care. Because the volume in both the rushing and the passing game, that being the key part with Joe Mixon, has been there all season long. And that not every game is going to go as awful as it did against Cleveland. The offensive line up until that Monday night game had been playing better. So now they get a nice matchup against Carolina, who's nowhere near Cleveland. And we saw what could happen. We saw that that Joe Mixon definitely still has the talent. And all I kept saying is like, look, with this volume, all he has to do is start getting back at the end zone on a regular basis again. He'll be that mid-level RB1 that he should be, and is. Again, didn't expect five touchdowns, but nailed the call. All he had to do was get in the end zone, and here here we are. Running back zeros. In hindsight, I should not have been so confident on Raheem Mostert. I had him ranked in my RB13. Love the match against Chicago, and I thought to myself, yes. Yes, Jeff Wilson definitely knows the offense. But it's still the first week. Was he really going to be involved at a 50-50 clip? And I didn't think so. I thought at worst it'd be a 60-40 clip in favor of Raheem Mostert because he's been the starter for most of the season. And to start off the game, it was looking pretty good because Mostert had a touchdown right off the bat. But I was too aggressive at RB13, and I should have done it because Wilson does already know the offense and they were so excited to get him, that it would be closer to a 50-50 committee Right away. That's what we saw here. And as a result, Raheem Mostert will no longer be an RB2 the rest of the season. Him and Wilson will both be in that RB3 flex range for me. But I should have been more considerate that he would be more involved, even though it was the first week that he got traded in.
2: Running back heroes.
1: Yeah, Kenneth Walker, again, I was hired in the ECR. RB6, he can't be stopped. See, the thing about Kenneth Walker is that he's going to have spells throughout the game where he looks inefficient, right? Because he's always trying to hit that big play. Sometimes he dances too much. He doesn't just pick up, you know, that, that three, four yards that are available to him. Like, he eventually will have to learn how to do. Because he's so explosive, it just takes that one play. And he's finding the end zone on a every-game basis. It's insane. He gets two touchdowns again in this game. That's why he's an RB1. I don't care who he's playing against. I don't care if they can hold him in check because it just takes one play for Kenneth Walker to bust out. And that's why he was one of my
2: heroes this week. Running back zeros.
1: I don't know what to tell you about Josh Jacobs. I, I did not think he'd cool off. That I kept expecting like 150 yards and three touchdowns every game? No, of course not. But I did not think Josh Jacobs would call cool off to the point where we now have to question what is his value all over again. This offense had been running through Josh Jacobs. Now all of a sudden over the past couple of weeks, the volume's still there. So that gives me hope that he can eventually rebound. But the offensive line is blocking suddenly a lot worse. Amir Abdullah is getting a little bit more involved than what he was originally, and that's also part of it. So now we got to look at Josh Jacobs, like, well, mm, your surge to get to the top three, that might be over. It could be over. Like I said, ultimately, the volume's still there. You're still going to be running out Josh Jacobs. I still consider him to be a top 10 RB1 right now until we get more performances like this, but the Raiders are a mess. You still have to continue to play Jacobs and you still have to continue to play Devontae Adams, but frankly, their their ceilings might be a little bit more roller coaster than consistent. And I think that's what we had to see here today. So my bad for ranking Josh Jacobs as an RB three this
2: week. Wide receiver heroes.
1: Josh Palmer. I was eight spots higher than the ECR. I don't know what everybody else was thinking. I know he had a couple games where it was like, oh, well, you know, he didn't perform the way you wanted him to when filling in for Keenan Allen in the past. Okay, but Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are out. Like, he's, we know he's the number one target on a team that's still pass heavy. Even though the passing attack hasn't been going great, they're still pass heavy. So somebody's going to get targeted. That somebody would be Josh Palmer. Nice game. Eight catches, over 100 yards. What else could you ask for? out of the guy. The only thing he didn't do is score against Atlanta. Who cares? So Josh Palmer, as long as he's the only guy, he's got a safe floor. He's got to be considered a top 24 wide receiver with all that volume heading in his direction. I'm glad I
2: nailed that call. Wide receiver zeros.
1: Yeah, so about Terry McLaurin being in my top 14 receivers this week, thought to myself, like, well, you know what? I've been wrong the first two weeks with Taylor Heineke. I was like, ah, can't really trust McLaurin with Heineke. We saw it last year, even when he was the only guy. He was still at best a wide receiver three, and even then it was just very hit or miss. And then he had two good games in a row, and they had a nice matchup here against Minnesota. So I thought to myself, well, I guess maybe now it is time to trust Terry McLaurin with Taylor Heineke back there. And then he did what I thought he would do with Taylor Heineke, which is being consistent and the big play not really be there and available for him with a weak-armed quarterback. And then that's what we saw this past week. So, should have stuck to my guns, shouldn't have caved. That's my fault, and that's why Terry McLaurin winds up being one of my zeros of the week. Wide receiver heroes. Well, speaking of the Raiders, Devontae Adams... I was a couple spots higher in the ECR on him. I had him inside my top four this week. Had no fear. Look, I pointed out last week. Uh, people were panicking across the board in Devontae Adams. So we sell him. So we sell him. What do we do? How uh, you know? How can we hold on to him? And I look at these weeks, and you know, everyone's upset because he's like he's not having. I don't know. I guess Devontae Adam numbers with Green Bay, but we knew he wasn't going to get the same kind of production on a week in week out basis that he was getting with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. But he's been pretty consistent for the most part. Even in games in which he hasn't done much, usually he scores. And then last week, he was fourth on the team in snaps. So that told you the illness was real, and he just was not 100% himself. Comes off the injury report this week. What do you know? Devontae Adams back in his dominant form, going for 146 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, relax. Adams is a really good receiver. He's an elite receiver. He's a wide receiver one. Play him as such. Don't think about it too much. Don't stress.
2: Wide receiver zeros.
1: Here's another one I'm not entirely sure what to do with, but Amon Ross St. Brown. I had him ranked inside my top 10. I thought no Hawkinson. We knew Reynolds was banged up. We don't know what's going on with Swift and his usage. And St. Brown at this point should be 100% healthy. He's been practicing in full. He was off the injury report. Is in Detroit, usually Jared Goff plays better in Detroit. <sighs> there's, two, there's a couple things I had to take away from this. One is, you know what? Maybe you just really can't attack the slot against Green Bay. That is the one area that they have been pretty dominant against all year long. The other thing that I was thinking of was maybe St. Brown's is not totally healthy. Or maybe Jared Goff is just dipped back down to the point where we can't trust any of the pass catchers. I don't know. I refuse to believe that St. Brown and his talent, from what we've seen so far in his young career, suddenly fallen off. I refuse to believe that. I do think better days are ahead, and I lean more towards the idea of trying to buy low on an Amon Ross St. Brown rather than trying to move off of him. I want to be aggressive about it, but it is a little bit concerning that we have not been able to get high level production on the guy since the first two weeks. Remember, though, with Hawkinson gone and Swift still out of there, there's still reason to think St. Brown should be in a prime position to be highly productive moving forward. Still a team that needs to throw the ball more times, than not. And the game script that wound up going down to the Packers was just incredibly strange. It's a 15 8 game. Like, <laughs> That was not what we were expecting. So from that standpoint, you can say, well, it was just a weird game, weird usage, throw it out the window. Packers are really good against the slot receivers. I think better days are definitely ahead for St. Brown, but it was still ultimately a bad call by
2: me. Tight end heroes.
1: Cole Komet. I was seven spots higher than the ECR on Cole Komet. I had him inside my top 15, which made him one of my streamers, and I just put it out there. I was like, look. Justin Fields is playing better. And they're playing the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are right up there with with Seattle, with Arizona, with Minnesota, in the sense of all they do is give up touchdowns to tight ends. Doesn't matter what's going on. Doesn't matter how good or how bad the offense is. Doesn't matter how good or bad the tight end is. They seem to just give up touchdowns to tight ends. So I thought Cole Komet could actually be a sneaky good play, and I was right on the money
2: tight end zeros
1: on the flip side with TJ Hawkinson I was not confident enough apparently yes I wasn't like I ignored the reports I got the same reports everybody else did oh the game plan is Hawkinson they put in a lot of good work they want to get him involved early and often and you know what I think that's all good and well and I fully expected him to be the starter sure But week one and a whole new offense, did I expect TJ Hawkinson to suddenly come out and be the featured number two pass catcher to Justin Jefferson day one? No, I wasn't quite ready for that. Wasn't quite ready for that. The good news is that you got to feel really good if you're a Hawkinson owner, like, whew, your ceiling's finally been unlocked. You finally got the tight end one that you drafted him to be on a week-in, week-out basis because if they made a point to get him that involved this early already... Well, you got to feel pretty good about what the rest of his season outlook could potentially be. So, yeah, feeling good about T.J. Hawkinson, and I did not have him ranked nearly
2: highly Tight end heroes.
1: Zach Erse, my number two tight end coming into the week, because I said I guaranteed he was going to score a touchdown against the Seattle Seahawks. It's what they do. And he he did exactly that. And he had eight targets to boot. So now you're getting back to the point where, okay, DeAndre Hopkins is there and Zach Ertz is back to getting involved with the offense again. One of the things we were worried about. And now he's had a couple of good games in a row, a couple touchdowns in a row. And now we're back to, okay, Zach Ertz is still a low end tight end one. It's not flashy. He's not going to blow up ever, but he gives you a nice stable floor week in and week out. And because the Cardinals are so inept, On offense in the first half of games, they consistently have to come back from behind, which ups the volume and usually leads to Zach Ertz getting involved that way or another. But we nailed the Zach Ertz call because I love the matchup for him.
2: Tight end zeros.
1: I was wrong on Tyler Higby being a top 10 tight end. Look, and I even put the writing on the wall when we talked about this on the Clairvoyant Thursday show last week which is always at 10 p.m. Eastern on Thursdays on our YouTube channel, by the way. Please subscribe. I said, look, he, he was he was blocking more against the 49ers than he came out of the bye week. But what got me is that, okay, he ran 15 routes and still had six targets. Like It seemed like Matthew Stafford was still looking for the guy when in trouble. You know, tight end blocks, passers gets there, he breaks off, he wants to be in the check down, he gets the ball as a result. Tampa Bay... They're not very good against the tight end position so far this season. I thought offensively they'd have to do something outside of Cooper Cup, somebody would have to do something. So I thought Tyler Higby would still be worth a shot. Well, what happened? Well, he did exactly what we saw him do against the 49ers, but just with less targets. He blocked for most of the game, didn't run as many routes. And this week, this time, didn't show up on the box score. So that was a bad call by me. I knew the ring was on the wall, but I thought we could push it at least one more week. And that was my fault for not paying attention to that more. But that does it for my right and wrong calls on my heroes and zeros of the week. Always trying to keep myself accountable. Now let's dive into our waiver saviors.
2: saviors.
1: All right. So now it's time to get better. This is the part of the show where we get better. It's week 10. We have to start getting better. And you might be looking at different waivers for different reasons. Like I said, if you're in playoff mode, you need guys who can play now and help you get wins. But if you're sitting right there in first place, or maybe you got a strong stranglehold on second place in your division, your league, whatever the case may be, you can start to look towards the future and start making stash moves. Guys who maybe have chances to hit handcuffs for other teams, golden little tickets, luxury pickups, different things to be attacking on this waiver wire. So let's dive into the quarterbacks, shall we? So my number one quarterback on the week, and he probably, you know, if I'm looking at this list now, probably would be my number one pickup of the week is Justin Fields. Now, remember, when I do this, I'm taking the average owned on all the major platforms and looking for who's less than 50% owned. Well, while Fields' ownership did jump up, it's still at 47% heading into next week. He's got Detroit. And he's got Atlanta, I believe, the week after that. And he's been fantastic over the past month now. Now that they're just like letting him, instead of having him be a pocket passer who only throws the ball 20 times in a the game, they decide, you know what? You're going to throw the ball 20 times a game, but instead of being a pocket passer, you're, you're going to be a playmaker. You're going to do what you do. He's Jalen Hurts. That's what he is. He's Jalen Hurts last year. That's what he is. So maybe he's not always there for him the passing game. Maybe he makes a few mistakes. Maybe he gets some turnovers. But he's running. And he's scoring touchdowns with his legs at the very least. And then we get games like this, where he actually gets, you know, two, three touchdowns through the air to tack on with his rushing, well, now you're looking at an elite quarterback, especially in plus matchups. Justin Fields, not only the number one quarterback this week, the number one pickup for me. What about Jimmy G? So we talked about Jimmy G a little bit before. It's not exciting. You're not going to you're not going to be uber happy to play Jimmy G and rightfully so. But at the same time, this guy has been a top 12 quarterback over the past few weeks. He's got a safe floor. Again, it's not super exciting, but he's got a safe floor. San Francisco is one of the best schedules coming up for the second half of the season. If you've been streaming quarterback and you can't get a guy like a Justin Fields, or you haven't already gotten a guy like a Justin Fields, Jimmy G is somebody you can plug in and I, you know what, I'm going to get 16 to 18 points no matter what. may not look pretty, it's not going to be on the most volume, but with the offense and the weapons that they have now, he's got a safe floor every single week. So Jimmy G at 18%. Talk about a guy you can pick up and stream and possibly stream the rest of the season depending upon what your options are. He's that guy. Those are my only two quarterbacks, though. Everybody else is... is, Not this week's Kenyon Drake. He's 44% owned. So that means he's available making the waiver wire savior already talked about it. I know they have a bye week next week, so that's that's kind of good news because that means you might not have to spend that much to go get Kenny and drink. We don't know when Gus Edwards is going to be back. It's not a given that he'll be back after the bye week. Remember, this is a guy coming off an ACL injury who's now dealing with a hamstring. Remind you of anyone? Chris Godwin, who had to miss a few weeks because of the same issue? And they really have to be careful with Gus Edwards because I mean who knows when they're getting JK Dobbins back? They want to make sure they got these guys for a playoff run so I think they'll be more cautious with Gus Edwards so it's not a given so come week 11, it very well could be Kenyon Drake again not only get to spend up I wouldn't I wouldn't waste a priority on him I wouldn't even spend up that much for him ten percent fifteen percent tops at this point in the season. Because, again, they're going on bye week. So for all those teams out there who need a win right now, we'll be looking at players who can help them out right now. He's not going to be on their radar. So it's kind of take advantage of that. Jeff Wilson, also 44% owned. He would actually be more of a priority for me than Kenyon and Drake would because he has rest-of-season value. Look, week one already, Jeff Wilson had two more snaps than Raheem Mostert. And it'll be a 50-50 committee. I don't think anybody's running away with this job either way. But Moster does have the more risky injury history to boot. So if Jeff Wilson right now is available to you, not only does he have standalone flex value because he's in a 50-50 split with Mostert, but you also have that upside potential if Moster gets hurt. Wilson just takes over the backfield on what's one of the most high-scoring offenses right now in the NFL. Wilson's been a very hot fantasy commodity whether it was San Francisco so far this season and now with the Miami Dolphins. So go get Jeff Wilson. This is a guy that I'd probably contemplate. Look, I I know he doesn't have tremendous value with Raheem Mostert in there, but I would contemplate 25% of my fab because he's a running back who you can play and has upside later on too. And then Gus Edwards also makes my list. Eventually, Gus Edwards is going to be back and potentially back before J.K. Dobbins ever does. So 37% available or owned right now. And again, because it's a bye week and he's dealing with an injury, 5-10% of your fab, you probably wait for him to clear waivers if you have a priority. It might might not take much to go get him. But he's another guy with how this Ravens team is going to operate moving forward, as we talked about earlier in the show today. He's got league winning potential. If he can stay healthy and just take over to be the lead guy. Which is, that's a possibility. that There is a pathway for that to happen. Chuba Hubbard. I don't know if Chuba Hubbard plays this week or not. It's a Thursday game. He's been listed as limited with the ankle issue. I don't know how close he is. He was practicing at the very least. But they seem to know pretty early on he was going to play this past week. And I don't know if he suddenly comes, I don't know if that was in reflection of they wanted him back for the Thursday game or, you know, whatever the case may be, but still highly questionable if Chuba Hubbard is going to play. But what we do know after watching Blackshear come in and take all the third down and longs, take all the two minute drills, and actually wound up scoring as a result when Carolina had to be in comeback mode, when reality finally set in for PJ Walker, well, it wasn't the Foreman in those situations. So we know Chuba Hubbard, when he comes in there, he's at least getting that role. He's at least getting the pass-catching role. Minimum. But we also know that when this whole thing first started, he was the lead guy. He was out-snapping the Foreman. He was playing more on first and second downs. It was basically a committee in favor of Chuba Hubbard with Hubbard getting all the pass-catching results. Now, maybe Dante Foreman bounces back against Atlanta. It's quite possible. But after the performance he just had against Cincinnati, it takes out some of the momentum that he had the first couple of weeks. Where it goes from being hard to imagine benching Foreman or having him play behind Hubbard, especially on early downs and goal line work, to, well, it could be more more part of the question now. So Chuba Hubbard's kind of a a bit of a wild card who definitively at least has flex appeal with his role on a team that's going to be bad and should be trailing more times than not. He's only 30% owned. Then we get into the handcuff guys. Alexander Madison, who always makes my list, 27% owned. And then Rashad White, 20% owned. High-end handcuffs, those golden lottery tickets that you can take a chance on that we talked about, guys you want to check out. And guys you want to have if you have Leonard Fournette or Dalvin Cook. Then Isaiah Pacheco. Oh, Jalen Warren makes that list too at 3%. Kind of the same, same thing. Then we got Isaiah Pacheco. So he does make my list. This is more of a stash play. This is not a guy I'm picking up because I want to play him next week because I don't. But if Clyde edwards gets hurt or, and this is a possibility now I believe too, they decide just to phase him out of the offense completely because they want Pacheco to get going by the time the playoffs roll around. Pacheco's got a chance to overtake the main runner role. Now, that's not always going to have tremendous value at the Chiefs because of how much they throw the football, and Pacheco will never be involved in the passing game, no matter what happens, Jerry McKinnon or Claridge Lair. But he at least has some upside, so this is not a play for now, this is not a play if you're trying to make the playoffs, this is a play for, you're looking for a golden lotto ticket, that could be the guy. Now let's get to the wide receivers, the wide receiver list is Week. I'm just going to warn you guys right now, there's not much available at the wide receiver position on those waiver wires. In fact, to kick it off, I got Trillon Burks on my list at 22%, and again, that's just an IR stash, hoping he comes back sometime soon, and clearly, you also need Ryan Tannehill to get back sometime soon, too. But, as I pointed out, at some point, the Titans are going to have to have some semblance of a passing attack just to get other defenses to respect the fact they can throw the ball. And if it's not going to be Robert Woods, because it hasn't been, and we already know what Nick Westbrook-Ikeney is, and Kyle Phillips never really became a thing after week one, it's going to have to be Traylon Burks if he's healthy enough to do it when he comes back. So a worthy stash play, if you will. And then Wondell Robinson. So I would have him, obviously, prioritize a little bit more. I know he didn't have a big week before the Giants buy, but again, I go back to it the slot receiver of Daniel Jones is the most valuable wide receiver to have on a regular week-in, week-out basis. So if you're looking for a guy that you could plug and play as a high-floor flex guy, I do believe that is Wandale Robinson, more times than not, it was only 20% owned right now. Then I followed up with another guy who's a stash play, Jameson Williams. I still keep going back and forth in my head if I actually believe Williams is going to play at some point this season, as Dan Campbell suggests, but as we know with the DeAndre Swift, you know, situation. What Dan Campbell says is neither here nor there with what we're actually going to see, apparently. But what I do see is a real pathway for a second receiver, a second option to emerge for Detroit. And that even might help St. Brown out. If Jameson Williams does come back and play, I do believe he'll be given that opportunity, and he's got big play value. So again, another guy... If you have the spot in the IR right now, and you, you're in a position to be able to do it, I'm fine with the stash. DeAndre Carter. Now, this is, of course, of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, who we pretty much know it's not going to play this game. If Keenan Allen continues to be out again. Well, DeAndre Carter is the second receiver to Josh Palmer. Now, I like this more in full-point PPR leagues, but Carter has the potential for the big play of the wide receivers. And sometimes it could be a little bit hit or miss as far as it's going to be him or Joe Everett as the guys who get the work playing in the same similar area of the field. But DeAndre Carter's a guy that you can plug and play in a spot start right now with a pass-first team with no other options. He's only 10% owed. Last but not least, Christian Watson. I think this is a speculative ad right now. Romeo Dobbs out next four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Sammy Watkins is washed. Absolutely washed. We don't know exactly when we're going to get Randall Cobb back. Watson got knocked out early in the game with a quote-unquote concussion that they said after the game he actually didn't have. They were just being cautious. But now Romeo Dobbs out for the next month and to a month and a half, there's going to be an opportunity for Watson to work his way back into significant playing time again if he can stay healthy. Now, that's a big if. And this is why this is, you know, this is not a move I'm, I'm wasting fad bonds, not a move I'm wasting priority on. This is a speculative ad because the opportunity is potentially there. And we know Watson is a big play type of guy. So he could hit a home run. He could be that guy for you that you could take a chance on if his playing time starts to surge, which it might now with Dobbs out of the way. So somebody just kind of keep your eye on. And then we get into the tight ends. So again, the Baltimore Ravens are going on by. I would still probably try to pick up Isaiah Likely, especially if I'm Mark Andrews' owner. Just to be safe when you come back in week 11. But not, not something you have to do right now. Just something to kind of keep your eye on. Don't forget about guys when they go on bye weeks. Cole Komet comes in at 27% for me. He's back to being fantasy relevant. And Justin Fields is just playing better. He's getting the ball to his guys. He's getting his ball to his weapons. He's getting the ball to Darnell Mooney. He's getting the ball to Cole Komet. He'll probably start getting the ball to Chase Claypool as he gets up to snuff and starts playing more snaps himself, which probably won't be too long from now. So Cole Komet can actually be part of the conversation. Not, not I'm going crazy over, but at least part of the conversation at the stream tight end. Kate Otten, he reemerged this past week. He's only 5% owned. We don't know when or if Cameron Bray is coming back. And it's just clear they need another option. Mike Evans could be banged up heading into next week. Somebody else besides Godwin and Evans has to catch the ball. And if Evans is out, well, that might make Otten the guy for the red zone. Who did score this past week. I think he's a streamable tight end. He's only 5% on, which he's basically free. Because everybody just doesn't know his name, doesn't know who he is yet. And Tampa Bay's offense really hasn't anything to ride home about. So check him out. There's a lot of talk that David Njoku will be able, or at least will try, to make his way back this week coming off the bye week. And I hope that's true. But if it's not, I'm looking at Harrison Bryant, who's only 2% owned right now. I know. I know he didn't really come through and didn't really come through, didn't do anything, I should say, as a starting tight end with David Njoku out before. That's not going to scare me off of him. If David Njoku's out and Harrison Bryant's a starting tight end, with Kobe Brissett at quarterback, I'm going to roll the dice with Harrison Bryant being a streamable low end tight end one, high end tight end two. I like his talent, he catches the ball really well. We know more times than not, Brissett will go to the tight end position. I think it's worth a gamble, especially for a guy who's so widely available that you won't have to spend any significant resources to bring him in. So if David Njoku does not play, keep that in mind. That's going to do it for the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We'll be back again on Look Ahead Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern, on Clairvoyant Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern, and for cashing... Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel so you get notified when we have new content available and when we do go live. Check us out on bellyup.tv. Find us on demand when you download the Foxy Network app. Download us on your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review. And make sure you're following us on social media at Show. We'll keep you up to date with all the player news and the other little fancy tidbits. And that's also where you can go and ask all of your questions throughout the week, and we'll help you out. Free. I don't charge absolutely free use me as a resource as much as you want i love helping you guys out with your fantasy lineups tomorrow we'll be back with brian scott and daniel dubois so make sure you guys tune in for that It will be the first first half preview of week 10 so until then everybody have a great evening and take care